Um, I want to take my text from uh, John 18.38 where Pilate was interrogating Jesus. Jesus told him that it was to this end that he was born and for this cause he came into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. And everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And Pilate saith to him, What is truth? And That'll be the title of our message. What is truth? And we'll think about that question. People try to get in the mind of the Bible characters and say, well, he's probably thinking this or that. Well, we don't know what he was thinking. We don't know if he was really asking what truth was. We don't know if he was snickering and snarling when he said it. We don't know his tone of voice when he said it. But we do know that is a question that a lot of people don't know the answer to. And a lot of people were confused about. But we don't have to be confused about this, and we do have an answer for what truth is. And tonight, and probably next week, um, we're going to preach a couple messages on, on truth. And tonight, we just want to consider what is truth. And then next week, we're going to think about what truth looks like in the life of the believer. So we, once we know what truth is, how are we going to, how does that change us? How should we be holding the truth? Because the, the truth can, or at least a proclamation of truth, can make you, uh, it can make you even hard because the, the Pharisees will say, well, they had truth and you saw, saw what it did for them. Well, did they have truth? Um, how, how can we know if we actually have it? Well, that'll be next week. So, but tonight we're just going to look at what is truth. Go and ask anybody about the worship, and they say that, well, they worship a God of their own choosing. Um, religion is a very personal thing. We, we don't talk about religion and politics because um, it's all very personal, and people get upset about it, so we just, we just don't talk about it at all. It's a very common thing to hear. Well, who am I to judge? I don't know. You know they have their truth, and I've got my truth, and they do what they want, and they, I do what I want, and... And who am I to say what's right or wrong? Well, you ever notice it's only a one-way street along those lines? We can't talk about Christianity because Christianity will offend people. They can talk about anything in the world that will offend me, but that doesn't matter. But if I can't, if I talk about Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord, well, that'll offend people, and I ought not to do that. You can't teach religion in school. You can't, can't teach Christianity in school, rather. You can't take, teach about Jesus Christ in school. Whenever I was in school, I learned about Homer. I learned about the Greek gods. I learned about Zeus. And I learned about, um, you know, we read the Odyssey and, and all those types of things. By the Greek gods. We learned all kinds of stuff about pagan gods. Whenever I was in high school, we learned about Islam. We spent several weeks studying Islam. Never spent any time studying Jesus Christ. Well, why is that? Well, that's offensive to people. See, what, what it boils down to is it's not a matter of, well, everybody has something of their own choosing. It is that there is a particular truth. And to declare that that is the particular truth, that, that this is the truth and everything else is wrong, um, is a very offensive thing to people. And therefore, the, the idea of the world, at least, is to, to silence 
those who hold the truth. Well, first thing I want to do is think what is not true? What is not the truth? Um, truth is not um, truth is not tolerance. Harold and I was talking about this this morning. If I look, the definition of, of tolerance is the capacity of enduring. It's putting up with, in other words. Tolerance is, is forbearing. So, um, a while back, um, the in-laws took uh, Elijah out for his birthday. We, they took him to a restaurant, and, and, the, and the food was good, but the music inside the restaurant was very, very loud. And, and, but we tolerated the music because the food was good. Right? We, we put up with it. We endured that which we didn't really like and didn't want to hear for the sake of what we wanted. So that's what tolerance literally is. It is enduring something. It's putting up with something. But that's not what people say about tolerance, is it? If I say that you're tolerant of someone, you, don't, you wouldn't think in today's definition of it is to, to endure something that is um, bad, and, but it's to accept and to embrace. And in fact, to disagree with somebody is called what? Intolerant. So if, if you disagree with somebody, you don't have a view that is contrary, but you, as a person, are intolerant. So if I disagree with one of the political movements of the day based upon what the Word of God says, I am intolerant. Not my position, not my thoughts, not my principles, but I am, as a person, as an individual, I am intolerant. I am bigoted, so they say. This is, is not according to truth, right? The, the, what they say is, if you don't agree with what everyone else says, then you are a bad person. That you um, are, are wicked, you're a sinner, according to their standards, if you don't agree with what they say. Now, it's only a one-way street on that, right? So you, could, you can believe in all kinds of different religions, but it's only if you go against the core doctrines of, of the secular age that you would be labeled intolerant person. Well, this is a false tolerance. This is not um, a biblical concept. It's not a virtue. G.A. Chesterton said tolerance is the virtue of a man without conviction. And he's talking about this type of tolerance, the kind that has no say about anything and just says, well, you, you, can, say, you can believe what you believe, I can believe what I believe, because it doesn't matter anyway. So he says that, that's the virtue of a man without conviction. Uh, Dorothy Sayers um, wrote um, about 100 years ago or so, she said, in the world it's called tolerance. But in hell, it's called despair. The sin that believes in nothing, cares for nothing, seeks to know nothing, interferes with nothing, enjoys nothing, hates nothing, finds purpose in nothing, and lives for nothing, and remains alive because there is nothing for which it will die. It continues on because there is nothing that it stands for. Nothing that it will die for. You and I love the truth. And you and I, I would say, by God's grace, would be willing to suffer for truth and even die for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we believe in something. 
We believe in him. We trust in him who is the truth. But a tolerance that says all things are equal lives for nothing, enjoys nothing because it's not willing to die for anything. Tolerance has become the greatest virtue and to be intolerant means that you don't accept everything that someone says or does and you've sinned against society. Does that mean that we hate lost people? Of course not. We, we, we desire to see people come to saving knowledge in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not surprised when lost people act like lost people. Whenever I see some crazy thing that people are doing or saying or believing, some, it, it shocks me sometimes, but when I stop and think about it, I'm not surprised lost people are going to act like lost people. It would surprise me if they act like Christians. But it shouldn't surprise me that lost people dress like lost people and talk like lost people and think like lost people and love like lost people because that's who they are. And so, as they live a life captive to the devil, in bondage to sin, walking in darkness, loving the darkness more than light, the only way that I can love them is to, is to direct them out of the darkness to the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you want to say a tolerance is to, to endure the, the things of this world that we might go and tell others about Jesus in the sense that that we wouldn't build a, a, a monastery and hide ourselves from the world. Jesus didn't tell us to hide ourselves from the world, but to go out into the world. And for us to go out into the world, we have to be able to forbear all the, the terrible things that we see as Jesus Christ entered into this world. He did not tolerate, or accept rather, he did not accept sin. He did not accept what the, the wicked people did and said, well, that's just, that's just your way of life. But no, he came and pointed out their sins and, and called them to, to trust in him, which would be a turning away from all that sin. We cannot accept as good what is evil. We cannot, and then call that a good thing, call that tolerance. So the truth is not tolerance. It is not accepting sin. We can't accept what is evil. We can't Go along with what is wicked. We can't put our arms around that which is wicked and call it good for the sake of not hurting people's feelings. We have to be able to, we have to, be able to, to stand and believe what God has said. And, and so truth is not equated, truth and tolerance are not equal things. So the, the world will say, uh, the secular world will say that the truth and tolerance go hand in hand. But um, truth is a declaration of, of what is real. So when we talk about truth, we're not talking about that kind of tolerance. Truth is not relativism. This is where everybody has their own truth, where you hear people say, well, that might be true for you, but it's not true for me. Christianity may be your truth, but it's not my truth. Well, this makes something true relative to the individual. And that's not the case. 
Carl Truman wrote about our society. He's a, he's a professor at a Presbyterian college, and he said he's writing about snowflakes in college. That, that's what he said. He said people bemoan the safe spaces and the, the, the snowflakes. But he said, that which hinders the outward expression of my inner feelings, that which challenges or attempts to falsify psychological beliefs about myself and disturb my sense of inner well-being, is by the definition harmful and to be rejected by modern society. He said that means traditional institutions have to be transformed to conform to the self, not the other way around. So you know, he's opposing this, so he lays out what they're doing. If, if your inner self, if your feelings of what you uh, claim to be, what you identify as, what you believe to be your truth, is truth, is reality, then to go against that is to go against the person. And so, so education now, colleges and, and high schools and elementary schools now, instead of training people and educating them about the truth, they conform themselves to what is in the inner life and the inner mind of the student. So he says, if education allows the individual to simply be himself, unhindered by any outward pressure to conform to any greater reality, then the individual is king. He can be whoever he wants to be. If you reject the notion of any authority outside or meaning to which education is to conform, the individual simply makes himself the creator of any meaning that there might be. External or objective truth are simply constructs designed by the powerful to harm the weak. And so overthrowing them and overthrowing the notion that there is a reality to which we're all accountable becomes the, the purpose of the educational system. So here's a man who's a professor who, who's right in the middle of this and, and he understands what is happening. So if you can identify as whatever you want to be and the school system has to go along and say we accept whatever you say then who's in charge? Is it the, the, the trained individual that has spent their life studying and learning to know what truth is, to know what, what things truly are? Now they have to conform themselves to the people they're supposed to instruct. So as a church, we come in here and someone says, well, that, that doctrine hurts my feelings. That doctrine of headship, that doctrine of the woman's place in the home, that hurts my feelings. And I don't think that's right. Well, we don't want to hurt your feelings. So what we'll do is we'll change the outside authority. That way your inner self won't be, won't be hurt. I don't like that doctrine of total depravity. That makes me feel bad. I don't like you saying that my child is a sinner. Okay, well, we'll conform, we'll conform the Bible to, to meet your inner needs. That's relativism. That, that is making everything relative to the individual. The problem is you've got a whole world full of individuals, don't you? You've got a whole world full of people with different thoughts and different ideas. And so you've got a whole world of different Notions. If truth comes from the inside, then there's no truth at all. 
Thirdly, truth is not pluralism. That's where a state or society of all different ethnic, racial, religious groups come together in, in, a, in, in a culture. Now, our nation is built on principles such as that. When we lived in North Carolina, you'd meet somebody and they, wouldn't, they would ask, they'd say, what do you do? And you say, oh, I work so-and-so. Then they'd say, where are you from? Because most of the people that lived in the county that we lived in weren't from North Carolina. Um, the year that we moved there, I think there was 30-some thousand people that also moved to that county. Um, it's one of the fastest-growing counties in the, in the South for that time period. But there were so many people moving from out of state there that that most, you know, a good majority, there's a good chance that whoever you talk to is not going to be from that area. Well, people got along, even though they were from different places, different countries, different, um, different colors, different nationalities, even all moved there, and they got along um, because we lived in that sort of pluralistic community. Every, there was not one group that was better than the other group, but under the eyes of the law, everybody had the same rights and the same privileges. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's a philosophical pluralism that says that all religions are the same. And one religion isn't any better than the other. And one isn't right and one isn't wrong. But everybody has their own way to God and everybody um, can get there however they want to. That's a philosophical pluralism. That says there really is no truth, or maybe a little bit of truth that everybody has, but the only bad thing that you can say is that there's only one way into the Father. That's the only bad thing that you can say. Well, that can't be the truth. There's a big difference between a nation giving people freedom of conscience and then saying that all beliefs are equal. We don't do that with anything else. What if I offered to trade my car for your car? Would you do that? Just straight up trade? No, you wouldn't do that, would you? Because not all cars are equal. I've got a bicycle at home. I'll trade it for one of your old side-by-sides. Would you do that? Well, they both are transport. They both have wheels. They both can take you someplace. Why not trade? Well, they're not equal, are they? One is superior than the other. You can look at anything and, so, and you can judge it and say, well, this is not equal to that. You can do that with ball teams. You can go to the newspaper and you can look at the box scores. Well, if they still have that, you can go online and you can see, all right, who's in the lead in the, in the National League? Who's in the lead in the American League? Who has the, the most home runs? Who has the best pitchers? And you can look and you say, well, this, this team is the best because they've got the most wins and they've got the best pitchers and they've got the best hitters. You can look at them objectively and say, well, this team is the best. And I can say, well, I love the Cincinnati Reds. That's my favorite team. I think they're the best. And you can say, well, let's look at the, let's look at the standings and then we'll talk about it. All know they're the best. I love them. In my heart, I, I, I love them the most. Yeah, but objectively, looking at the facts, 
It doesn't really matter what you feel about it or what you think about it. They're, they, they are not the best team. The truth is objective. So the, now let's look at what the truth actually is. It is objective. Webster's Dictionary said the truth is the body of real things, events, and facts. It's the state of being the case. It's just what it is. God exists. There is truth. And truth is the state of just being the case. It's definable. It's the body of real things. It means all truthful and honest people can come to a conclusion of the facts. It doesn't matter what I feel about the facts. It doesn't matter what I want the facts to be. It doesn't matter what I wish that they were. Truth is objective. It is outside of ourselves. I may wish that 2 plus 2 equals 5. I may desire with all my heart that 2 plus 2 equals 5. I might say that 2 plus 2 equals 5, and I might try to write a paper saying why it should be 2 plus 2 equals 5. But I would be wrong because the truth is fixed. It doesn't matter what I think about it or feel about it or, or believe about it even. The truth is fixed. It is given to us. Look in John chapter number 1 and verse 17. The truth is given to us. John 1, 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. This truth is given to us. The truth about God, the truth about salvation, the truth about sin, the truth about righteousness, the truth about goodness came from outside of ourselves. It was given to us. So the law came by Moses. Yeah, but where did Moses get the law? Moses got the law from God. The truth, the right and wrong, righteousness, it all came from outside of ourselves, not from inside of ourselves. So the truth is outside, and it's objective. It can't come from within because that would make it subjective to our own feelings and our own individuality. So it's not intolerant of a person to say that this is the truth. right? It's not intolerant to say there is one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. That's not intolerant. That's what the Bible says. That is the objective truth. Now, someone might not like that. And then someone may object to that. But that doesn't change the objective truth. Because truth came to us by Jesus Christ. It can be observed. It can be investigated. It can be tried. But the truth will not lose anything in the investigation of it. A true, open-minded, fair investigation of the truth, it never loses anything by that. And because it is true, it never changes. I change. My ability to, to understand and comprehend change changes. Sometimes 
I come to the truth and say, you know what, I was, I was wrong about that before. Because what I thought was true um, might not have been true. Now, if I, come to my, if I come to the Word of God and say I've never been wrong about anything, and I, I've never changed any thought I've ever had, well, that should be a little bit suspect, I think. No one's ever learned anything. No one's ever grown. No one's ever uh, um, come to a, a text of Scripture and thought one thing and then studied a little bit more or saw something from the light of another Scripture and said, oh, you know what, I, I think I, w- I was wrong or maybe I was mistaken or maybe I just didn't know the full aspect of it. Here's an example. All Christians... All saved people know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for their sins and rose again from the dead. Now, did you know everything about that when the Lord saves you? No, you don't know everything about that. You know everything about the gospel. You know everything about righteousness or justification. I say a lot of people don't even know what the word justification means and, and whenever the Lord saves them. But they learn more about it. And, and a lot of people when the Lord saves them, don't have a, a good grasp of, of deep things of the gospel. That doesn't mean they don't know the gospel. That just means they don't know everything about it. And so their initial perceptions of things might change. But the truth never does change. The truth always is there whether we perceive it all or not. And so you might come to it and, and say, oh, I didn't know that the Bible said that about justification. I didn't know that about imputed righteousness. I didn't know about, um, I didn't know what the Bible said about election or, or uh, particular redemption. But now I see what the scripture says and that, that, that changes the way I look at things. But it doesn't change the truth, does it? The, the truth is always there. And so we, we know the truth is outside, not inside. Now the only way you, you could never change your mind about anything is if the truth was inside or if you have the perfect mind. And, and we don't believe that. We believe that God is the source of all truth, and truth is outside of ourselves, and we have to transform our mind. That's what, uh, that's what Paul said that we have to do, is it not? That, that we are transformed by the Word of God, our, our minds are, are renewed, that we learn these things, and we come to greater knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because God is the source of all truth. In John chapter 8, in verse 32, God is the source of all truth. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is the truth which Jesus gives, and this truth will make them free. It comes from him. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is um, he is the truth. These truths um, are outside of ourselves. And when we know the truth, then we'll be set free because he is the truth. You know, every culture has some kind of religion, some kind of God. They have some sort of law. But I think that this is just um, God had made men 
in His image, and we are created with, uh, with consciences. We are created with, with certain ideas or certain ideas of, about God in our being because we are uh, create, just created creatures with reason and conscience. He's created us that way. And so whenever ungodly people who have acknowledged the conscience that God has given them to know some form of right and wrong, what they do is they, they take what they know and then they make gods in their own image. That doesn't mean truth is relative. That doesn't mean that people have their own gods, but what it means is people have some knowledge of the truth, but then make a god in their own image and go off into falsehood. All kinds of cultures have flood stories. All kinds of religions have flood stories where the earth was destroyed in the flood. That doesn't make the story false. What it does tell us is that there was a flood and people start making up their own stories explaining it. Because what happened after the flood? You know, you had the flood and you had the Tower of Babel and you had people split up and go to different places. Well, people would talk about the flood and they would talk about things that happened and just get passed on and, and, and legends grew and the stories grew. It really happened. But it devolved, I guess you could say. It, it changed into their pagan view of things. That doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It means that there's a one truth about this, and then people had different versions uh, of that story. But that doesn't mean that that version is true, does it? There, there's a, a real flood, and a real flood story. And only one of those is true, and all the other stories are false, even though they may have some semblance of truth in them. So just because one religion says it's wrong to lie, and another religion says it's wrong to lie, and another religion says it's wrong to lie, doesn't mean all religions are the same. It doesn't mean all, all ways to God are the same. Just because this religion has a heaven, and that one has a heaven, and this one has a heaven, and this one has a God, and that one has a God, doesn't mean that all the ways are valid, and all the paths are straight. Just because this one says they believe in Jesus, and that one says they believe in Jesus, doesn't even mean those two are the same. What do they believe about Jesus? What do they believe about the gospel, right? That, that is what is that's what matters. The Mormons have a Jesus. The Mormons have a Jesus. They talk about grace. They talk about salvation by grace. You have to be very careful with that false religion. You can listen you can listen to people talk about their religion who are uh, Mormons and they'll talk about being saved by grace. But do you know uh, their Jesus is not the same Jesus as ours. Their Jesus is, a, is a, a, a created being. Their Jesus is the brother of the devil. Um, their Jesus is one God of many, many gods who were at one time men and and move their way up the ladder. Their Jesus is not my Jesus. It's not the same. Their grace is not grace of a free gift. It is something that you get when you work hard enough. That's not grace. Their salvation is something that you earn. That's not grace. They use the same words, but they have different definitions. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. There is a right way and there is a wrong way. Um, 
me and Jacob were joking. I, I was going to work, and I said, go out there and change the oil for me. And he said, okay. And uh, I said, I don't mean change the oil and uh, put uh, milk in the jug. I, I mean change it out of the car. You know, Don't just switch it is what I was, was, was joking with. And, and you, you know, th that, there's an objective. There's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way to do it. Right? You couldn't say, well, I took the oil out, and then I put milk in your car. I changed the oil. Well, no, you didn't. You destroyed the car is what you've done. You haven't, you haven't changed the oil. Oh, yes, I did. That's the way I do it. That's the way it's true for me. It's true for me that, that cars run better with milk in the engine rather than the oil. That's what I believe to be true. And there's other people that believe the same thing. You can, you can go online and check it out for yourself if you want to. That, that, that's a true thing. We said, well, no, it's not. No one else believes that. And even if they did, that's wrong. That's foolish. Because there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. There's a right material for it and a wrong material. It's objective. You can't just change reality. Well, exactly. That's what truth is. And it's the same thing about spiritual things as it is about physical, real-world things. There is an objective truth. Now, if God had not given us a Bible... If God had not spoken to us, then we'd all be in the dark. We wouldn't know anything. We'd all make up our own religions. We'd all make up our own ways to God. And we'd just be in the dark groping around. You know, there's a famous illustration where these blind men are in a room with an elephant, but they don't know what it is. And one person touches the nose and he says, Oh, that's a snake. And somebody touches. The leg, and so that's not a snake, that's a tree. And, you know, somebody touches the tail, that's not a tail, or that's not a, a tree or a snake, that's, that's a monkey, and, you know, on and on and on. And it's supposed to be an illustration of, well, everybody is wrong, but everybody's sort of right. You know, they just do the best that they can, and everybody's at the same place, they've come to the same um, logical place, they just have different ways about it. And people say, oh, yeah, that's very deep. That's very, very deep thinking. That's true. All religions are just doing the best they can, but they're all in the same place. Well, the problem with that illustration is we have a flashlight. We're not in the room in the dark. We have a flashlight, and, and we turn that flashlight on and say, well, you're all wrong. It's an elephant. No, it's not. No, it's not. This is it's a snake. It's a tree. It's, no, I can see it. I was given light. I have light and I can shine it there and I see the truth. I see what reality is. No, you're intolerant of my views. You're intolerant of my position. No, I know what the truth is. See, we have the truth because it was given to us by God. God has revealed himself through the scriptures to tell us about himself. And the son has come and he died and rose again from the dead. It verifies all that we know of the scriptures. Jesus said the scripture was true. Jesus died and rose from the dead. Witnessed by over 500 people at one time. And rose and sent into the right hand of the Lord God on high. And all that he said came to pass. And all the predictions about him came to pass. And we have the verifiable, objective truth given to us by God himself to tell us who he is and how to come to him. So we have light, you see. And so it's not intolerant to say this is the truth. 
it is loving to say this is the truth. It's not intolerant to say the way you're living is sin. It's sinful. God, God says in his word that he does not accept your sin. He does not go along with your sin. He does not approve of your sin. Well, that hurts my feelings. Well, it may hurt your feelings. But what you need to do instead of trying to make your feelings stop being hurt is wonder why it hurts your feelings. And wonder why you have been, your conscience is hurting. And wonder if what I said is true or not. You you can go to the doctor and the doctor go in and say, look, uh, you need to lose about 30, 40 pounds. Well, that... That hurts your feelings. It hurts my feelings. It might not hurt your feelings. (laughs) I don't like to hear that. But I know it's true. But I don't leave and say, well, that intolerant doctor, what's he talking about? What's he he saying about that? No, I go and say, you know what? He's he's right. I know he's right. I don't want to think about it, but I know what he's saying is the truth. that, That is what we should desire for people them to know the truth and say the path that you're heading on is towards eternal destruction and this might hurt your feelings but I love you enough to be able to hurt your feelings a little bit that you might be rescued God has given us the Holy Spirit so we can understand and perceive spiritual truth the author of the scriptures God the Holy Spirit indwells us and gives us understanding that we may know him that is true. And that we are renewed in the spirit of our mind by the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. That we know the truth and the truth has set us free. To be a Christian, you shall know the truth. And as Christians, we love the truth. We hold the truth as dear. We buy it and sell it not. And we rejoice in it. And we speak the truth to our neighbors. We speak the truth to one another. We meditate on the truth. The truth is the armor of God. The truth is acknowledged and believed and obeyed. If you have two contrary, if you have two contrary uh, math equations, they can't both be right, can they? So let's imagine the teacher has a problem up on the board. Same problem, wrote it twice. Two kids go up to the board. One of them gets the answer is 121. One of them gets the answer is 122. Now, they both can't be right, can they? One, they might both be wrong, but they both can't be right. Because there is an objective truth to the problem, to the question. Now, the Bible tells us that there is one way to God, and that is by Jesus Christ. By grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, there is no other way to the Father except by me. That's what Jesus said. Now, everybody else says something different. The Roman Catholics say that that is a damnable heresy to believe justification by faith. That's what their doctrines say. Their doctrines, their written statements say that we're going to hell because we believe that you can be justified by faith. Grace through faith alone. Both those things can't be true. I say, the scriptures say, that that you are justified by grace through faith 
they say that's, that's false. They say you're justified by partly faith and partly works and partly grace and partly all these other things. Both those things cannot be true. So what do we say? Do we tolerate all and say, well, your way is good and my way is good and we all get to heaven the same way? The Pope will tell you that the Muslims' way to God is okay and the Jews' way to God is okay. They can't even agree among themselves. The Pope believes something that the (laughs) Catholic faith doesn't believe. Well, they can't all be true, can they? The Bible says that Jesus said there's only one way into the Father. The Pope said you can go to the Father in all kinds of different ways. They both can't be true, can they? I say that he's wrong, and he would say what? I'm intolerant. I'm bigoted. I would say that the the Muslim religion is false because they don't come to the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. I would say that modern Judaism is false because they don't come to the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not bigoted. I don't hate those people. But there is an objective truth. And they both can't be right. And so what do we do? What do we go by? I don't go by my feelings. I don't go and say, well, what did my dad believe? Or what did so-and-so believe? Or what did my, my, what did my family believe? I go to the only source that I know to go to. God's revealed word. The Holy Scriptures. And I see Jesus Christ confessing that he is the only way to the Father. I read Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead. I have his testimony that these scriptures are true because they testify of him. I have the inward testimony of the Holy Scripture, the Holy Spirit, that I know these testimonies are true. This is truth outside of myself. Objective truth straight from God. And so... This is objectional, definable truth that has stood the test of time for the New Testament for 2,000 years. And that is what I'm going to base everything on. Not my feelings, not even your feelings, but what the scriptures say. So you tell me there's... You tell me that your sin is acceptable and I have to accept or be intolerant. I'm going to say, first of all, that's not tolerance. And second of all, I can't accept it as good because God says it's bad. What you need to do is accept what God says about it. I can't accept what you say about yourself. I have to accept what God says about you. I can't accept what someone says about their lifestyle. I have to accept what God says about their lifestyle. I can't accept what this person says about their identity. I have to accept what God says about their identity. And I have to, with love and with compassion and with a desire to see them come to the light of the truth, not become acceptant of that, even if that does make us, quote-unquote, intolerant. We can't lie to ourselves. We can't be like Pilate and try to to play the middle. We can't be like Pilate and say, well, what is truth? Everybody's got their own opinions. You say one thing about yourself. They say something else about you. The Romans say something else about you. Jesus, what is truth? Who knows? And just throw our hands and try to play the middle. No, we, we have to see what does God say? 
Who is the truth according to Scripture? What is the truth according to God? And then we fashion our minds and our opinions and our thoughts about that. This is a battle that you and I have to have to fight. It's a battle that, as the days on, we're going to have to engage in, whether it be um, here in the church, whether it be with family members, whether it be with, at school, whether it be at jobs or work. This is something that we're just going to have to address. And something we're going to have to be ready, ready to just say, this is what the Bible says. I'm not, I don't hate anybody, but I love the truth. And I'm not going to lie to you, and I'm not going to lie to myself, and I'm not going to live by lies. This is what the Bible says is truth. This is what I stake my soul on. And this is what I'll, I'll declare to be, to, to follow after Jesus. We had that good profession in front of the pilot and said, this is my mission. I came to talk about the truth, to declare the truth, and that, that's what I'm going to do. So that is truth. We can know it, and we can believe it, and we can hold to it.